Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Wealth means something entirely different to each of us. But what will it take for you to build wealth and develop a wealthy mindset? Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. 
It will expand your brain. Yes, you can totally do it. You can build wealth with what you've got in your bank account right now. I know it may seem really hard to believe, but I'm going to show you how in today's episode. My guest today is Linda Jones, and she teaches practical money, stock market investing, and personal finance tips you can use to avoid mistakes, which we all need, and achieve financial freedom, which is, of course, the goal. Linda made $2 million at the age of 39 using what she calls her six steps to wealth. So I wanted to know, why does what you think about your money have so much to do with your financial success? Wow. Well, that's a loaded question and something that's near and dear to my heart because when I was very young, I read the book Think and Grow Rich. My dad gave it to me when I was 10 years old. And in that book, for people who haven't read it, it talks a lot about mindset and it explains how some of the wealthiest people of their day in the early 1900s got to be so wealthy. And they mention mindset as an important piece of that. So that really got me on the mindset route as a young person. And then uh, when I got into the investment industry, it was something that I, it stayed with me, but I realized that a lot of financial experts really leave it out. So when I was studying how does wealth really happen, it was one of my goals to really describe how does someone go from zero to wealthy. And this kind of happened because where I grew up in Seattle, I grew up on an island called Mercer Island. And there were a lot of very expensive homes on the waterfront. We used to take our boat and drive along the waterfront and look at all the gorgeous mansions and say, wow, how did someone make that much money to be able to have a house like that? I wonder what they do. And I wonder how they did it. And so that sort of got me studying a lot of millionaires, reading about it. And uh, I form formulated the six steps to wealth. And step one is creating a wealthy mindset. And I feel like this is an important piece of the, the, just the wealth building process that, as I said, it, it gets left out. But um, that whole formula is what helped me make $2 million by the time I was 39. And I really attribute a lot of that to mindset because there's a lot in there like getting out of your comfort zone, uh, dealing with fear, uh, dealing with being a contrarian investor. There's a lot to mindset and a lot of pieces to it. And so all of those things have to be a part of our wealth building process. I love the story of reading the book, Think and Grow Rich. I think it should be on everybody's nightstand, <laughs> kind of like a, a manifesto for life. But what did you take away at, at that early age from that book? Like, did it, did it really resonate with you, but even at that age? It did, because there's a lot of stories in the book, which is why when I wrote The Wealth Heiress, I created a lot of stories in my book, a lot of uh, rags to riches stories where people start out without a lot of money or a lot of education and then end up becoming very wealthy. And that theme was throughout the book. And it really stuck with me that there was this important component about what we think, uh, using repetition for our thoughts. Uh, really, you know, writing down goals for what we wanted, having expectations of and a picture of what we're trying to achieve, visualization, all of those things really uh, were part of the Think and Grow Rich story that stuck with me and that had me research that more. And so I really got into, you know, Earl Nightingale and a lot of 
people that are long gone, but were <laughs> people that were mentioned as experts. And some of those old books really had a lot of knowledge in them. And we don't, it, it somehow has gotten sort of lost over the years. But uh, it was something that I studied and read a lot about and, and just couldn't get enough of. So yeah, it was it was a, an important kind of hobby of mine as a young person. And I love you brought up the the six steps to wealth. You know, you talk a lot about why millionaires think differently. What goes into a millionaire's brain that you think we all need to learn? Well, I think a millionaire's brain is developed. I don't think it starts out to be a millionaire's brain. I think anyone can be a millionaire, no matter how little they're starting with or how late they're starting in life. And so it's really a matter of knowing the right habits and things to do rather than having been born with the right brain. But having said that, I think that one of the things that people don't understand is that there's so many messages out there that we're getting from advertising, from television, from people doing their marketing of their products and services. We all know that we are, you know, inundated with ads, but what people don't realize is how that can really shape their belief system. And someone else is putting beliefs in your system rather than you choosing the beliefs you're putting in your system and so in, in your brain. And so I think it's important that we decide what we want to believe about money and that we put some of those thoughts in our brain so that we can develop uh, that wealth that we want to develop because, you know, we all grew up with our parents also putting ideas in our brain, like, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. What do you think I'm made of money? You know, <laughs> go out and earn your own money, uh, all kinds of different phrases and experiences with money in our own home. And that often can stick with us too. One of my clients had a, a, uh, a neighbor down the street who, their dad, her dad, uh, did not like this neighbor and the neighbor was very wealthy. And so she connected the fact that this person was wealthy to her dad not liking him. And so she had all these negative beliefs attached to wealthy people. Well, if you believe that wealthy people are bad or dishonest or they're no good, they're terrible people, are you going to want to be wealthy? I don't think so. So that's an important component of changing some of your beliefs and putting thoughts that you want to believe about money that you want to believe to be true and changing your mindset to what the thoughts are that will help you become wealthy. Gosh, that's so powerful and so right on. I don't think we spend enough time thinking about how we think, act, and feel about money and then how that has a representation of, of what we actually do with our money. But I want to back up for a second because you mentioned your $2 million by age 39. So I, I'd love to, to dive in a little bit there. How did you make that a reality? Well, it goes back to the six steps to wealth and my research about how wealth was really created. And in some of those steps, I realized that compounding was really the key to building wealth. And the compounding rate was going to be very important. So I was in the investment industry. I was actually representing mutual funds and other investments, uh, hedge funds, institutional funds. And I got to deal with a lot of money managers. So I saw how they were investing money. I saw how, you know, what their track records were, when they were good, when they weren't so good, what kinds of things were going on. And it kind of set off a light bulb. But prior to that, I had been, you know, doing what everyone was advised to do. I was investing in mutual funds and my 
accounts were growing, but they just didn't seem to be growing fast enough. And because I was very conscious about the rate of compounding, it really sort of bothered me because I knew that, yes, I probably would get to a wealthy point by the time I retired and was 65 or older, but that wasn't where I wanted to have the money. I wanted to be a young person and have the money. And so I got very focused on the compounding rate. And so I started buying, I started um, uh, collaborating with other people who had a lot of money and I had some time. And so I would uh, work with them on investing in real estate. And so we did some real estate projects and flipped some houses, things like that. And it was a lot of work. But also during that point in the economy, the housing market was uh, getting to the point where it was slowing down and the big gains that we had made early on, we had made about 15% returns. It wasn't really possible to continue to get those returns. And so I was started to look for something else. And about that time, I realized that the stock market had gone up 30%. And I thought, well, wow, you know, I don't have to work with realtors and pay commissions. <laughs> I don't have to, uh, you know, I can leave it in my IRA and I have to pay taxes on purchases and sales. I don't have to clean toilets or hire contractors. Um, so it seemed like this could be a really exciting alternative for me. And maybe uh, if I could master it somehow, maybe it would, you know, turn out to be a better compounding rate for me. Not really realizing that we were just entering into the in internet era, tech, the big tech bubble. Um, and so the years leading up to that, um, being able to read a book called How to Make Money in Stocks by William J. O'Neill. And because of the investment experience that I had and the deep background I had with investments, I was able to understand that book because I say that because a lot of people think, oh, I'll just go buy that book and I'll become a millionaire. And then they write me and they say, Linda, I don't understand a heck of anything that's being said in the book. <laughs> so I don't usually recommend that people go buy that book because uh, it is a lot about charts and graphs and people get very lost. But uh, needless to say, it was something that built on a, a body of knowledge that I had a deep experience with already. And so I was able to adapt that pretty easily and buy some individual stocks. And I was scared to death when I first started. I thought for sure I was going to lose everything and I was not going to be able to do it. But um, and, you know, I did make some mistakes along the way, but I also had some tremendous successes and was able to pick some of the companies that became the very large successful tech companies. And that's how I was able to make the two million dollars. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. 
Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-T-M for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout-friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com etm for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com etm. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. We'll get into the second part of our interview with Linda, but first, let's tackle an Ask Shauna question. This one comes from Bianca, and Bianca says, I have my first real job as an attorney for Geico. 
I've been following all your suggestions by using my Chase Freedom Card to pay bills and pay it off each month for the rewards, and have been saving any extra cash in a Capital One money market account. With my new job, I'm getting 401k that automatically withdraws 3% of my salary. I will be getting a Roth IRA soon, too. My question is, what should I do with any extra cash now? Contribute more to a 401k, Roth IRA, money market account, personal savings, invest in the stock market, pay off student loans. I don't know what yield the best growth for my money when I have pending debt, student loans. I'm 24, but I would like to start saving for retirement ASAP. Any advice is greatly appreciated. This is such a great question, Bianca, because I think so many people are in that similar situation. You might have different variables, but you're trying to figure out, what do I do first? What do I tack first? And the tough part is that the answer is, it depends. And it depends on a lot of factors. It depends on your goals. What are you trying to achieve? It also depends on how much student loan debt you have and what is the interest rate with that student loan debt. Typically, most financial advisors, including myself, tend to believe that if your student loans are 7% or less for the interest rate, your money might best be served in other places. Of course, you're still paying off your student loans. Maybe you're putting extra money towards paying off your student loans, but maybe you're using some of your other money to grow your wealth while you're paying off those student loans. Hope that makes sense. And also, what does the next few years look like for your career and your income? Remember, of course, any money that you save in your 401k is tax deductible. It reduces your taxable income, which is a really good thing. One of the reasons why we contribute to a 401k. And when you contribute to your Roth IRA, you're contributing post-tax dollars so that in retirement, you will hopefully receive tax-free money when you go to pull that out in retirement. So just a little refresher there. But honestly, in my opinion, I'm always a fan of a healthy balance. Figure out what percentage of your paycheck you have to play with. What is your extra money? What does that look like? Then write out all your goals and all your debt with the interest rates associated with that debt. Because in this scenario, you you literally can't go wrong. Whether you're paying off your student loan debt or you're saving more for retirement, those are both amazing goals. You're both accomplishing something with your finances, but maybe you find a balance between paying extra on your student loans to to supercharge that payoff while also saving some extra money in your 401k and the Roth. So you're growing your wealth while you're also getting rid of that debt, if that makes sense. Then once your student loans are paid off, of course, you can ramp up your retirement savings and maybe make up for any time that you feel like you've you've lost, but you're still really young, so you've got a lot of time on your hands. But I'd encourage you also to challenge yourself to up your 401k contribution by at least 1% each year. So your money's growing and you don't feel so much of a pinch in your paycheck. So that's just a little something for anybody out there, but you can't go wrong literally with any scenario that you choose because all of these options are pushing you forward in a direction. I will say if you have not saved enough money to cover three to six months worth of your expenses in your money market account, I would start with that because that is just your security blanket. If you get laid off from your job or something happens, you have that cash there that you can access readily. 
Unlike money in your 401k where you'd have to take a loan and pay an interest rate, obviously if you paid off your student loans, that's fantastic, but you don't have any cash available to you. So that would maybe be the first place I would start, but if you've already achieved that, then all of those other options that you listed, those are all such amazing options. You're moving yourself forward. So again, I just like the balance of of growing your wealth while you're also paying off. So to me, there's like a teeter-totter approach so that you're you're kind of doing both things and you're achieving both things at the same time. Welcome back to the episode. We're talking with Linda Jones today about how we build wealth and develop a wealthy mindset. So let's get back into it. Uh, so many people glamorize uh, rental real estate, but there are certainly... A uh, fair amount of of downside. Um, not to mention, you know, uh, if some, no one wants to buy your house, you're stuck with a with an extra house uh, with rental real estate. So I love I love that uh, that kind of comparison there. But you're a host of a podcast, Be Wealthy and Smart, and I I love your episodes. Uh, I love your kind of slant on investing. And you know, we're nearing the end of the year. A lot of listeners are thinking about investing is kind of a big goal in the new year. What tips would you give to someone who who just like really wants to amp up their investing practice next year, but they just have no idea where to start? Mm. Well, before I answer that, I just want to respond to what you said about real estate, uh, because I do talk about bubbles and cycles. And real estate has been one of the best investing places to be for about the last 18 years, which is about a typical real estate cycle. So I don't think that this real estate boom that we've had is going to continue on forever. I think that interest rates having been raised significantly and the cost of money going up uh, has already slowed several markets, including California, which has already dropped 11% this year in value and 17% in terms of new home sales. So we're already seeing that. We're seeing mega mansions already be cut by many millions of dollars. So we're seeing weakness in real estate. And I do think that these things go in cycles. So that is one of the things that people need to look for are tremendous growth areas and looking for, is this a bubble? Is this a cycle that's going to peak in a bubble? And is this closer to the end or closer to the beginning of that bubble? So I just wanted to put that out there. But in terms of what people can do going forward, uh, what I would recommend is that they do follow the six steps to wealth because these are... Uh, chronological steps that you can do that will help you with your wealth building. So as I said, step number one is create a wealthy mindset. We can do that for our whole life is work on our mindset. But the second step is to save a nest egg. And the nest egg is important because that's going to be your investment capital that you're going to use, whether that is in real estate or whether that's in stocks or whether that's in your own business or whatever kind of money engine that is, what I call a money engine, anything that grows your money. Uh, so step two is save a nest egg. Step three is find a mentor. So find someone who's going to help you learn the ropes and teach you what you need to know for your investment to be successful. And step four is invest in a money engine. So find that thing that's going to compound your money. Step five is compound at a high rate. And as I said, that was the step that really got me focused on the compounding rate, which really made the difference between me stepping out of my comfort zone and being able to learn something new and compound at a higher rate and understand that we were in um, a very unique time in terms of 
compounding with these new companies and this whole new industry that we were coming into, which, by the way, happens all the time and is still happening today. There are wealth building opportunities today that are still tremendous wealth building opportunities, even though people often can't see them. Sometimes they say, I don't see anything like that. Uh, <laughs> and then step six is protecting your wealth. So once you've compounded, uh, you want to protect what you have and not continue to take too much risk. And that includes people that are very leveraged in real estate who have used debt to their advantage. Uh, they may find that going forward, that debt could be very, very much of a two-edged sword, double-edged sword, if we have uh, declining real estate values that uh, that debt is not going to be their friend anymore. So that's what you want to do is reduce some of your debt. And uh, certainly any consumer debt you have, you always want to pay off that. But I'm talking about investment debt. Uh, you want to pay that down to protect your wealth. And, you know, I'm seeing a trend with a, a lot of millennials. Um, and this is not across the board, but but I would say generally speaking, a lot of millennials are very conservative when it comes to investing. They're afraid of the loss side. They saw what happened in 2008, 2009, and it really has terrified them to the point of they don't even want to put money in a 401k or an IRA or in a Roth. You know, what would you say to somebody if they're if they're stuck in that place and they're so fearful of the downside of investing? Well, what I would say to them is to understand that we do have significant pullbacks that happen in the stock market. Now, 2007 and eight was one of the worst that we've seen. And the S&P 500 ended up down 38% that year, but it was down much more than that during the year. So it was frightening for their parents themselves. Uh, and it was frightening for all investors, but it also was an amazing time to buy. And for anyone who was able to buy during that time, uh, they've made tremendous gains since then. So I would say that about every six years, we we have about a 10% pullback in the market. About every 11 years, we have a 20% pullback in the market. And these cycles are fairly regular. They're not exactly clockwork, but they are fairly regular that you can expect these kinds of pullbacks. So a 38% was much more uh, severe than we're used to. But we also had that happen in the year 2000, where we had you know a few years of the market declining, and that was a, a severe uh, pullback as well. So these things happen in the markets. But if you look at over the long term, even with these dramatic pullbacks and bear markets and you know just scary times, the average annual rate of return of investing in the stock market is still, you know, over an 8% long-term return, 8 to 10%, uh, depending on how far back you want to go. And so there are tremendous gains that can be made. And those are just in the indexes. But as I said, there's so many new and exciting areas to invest right now that it really, there, there are many areas, I think, that are compounding at a very high rate where people are going to be able to build tremendous wealth. And I also think that being an entrepreneur is a unique opportunity right now where people are also going to be able to create tremendous wealth. So to me, there's more prosperity possible in this day and age than I've ever seen before in my life. Wow, that is such important information. And what would you say, you know, how do you begin to figure out what in the world to invest in? You talked about all of these uh, amazing opportunities that are that are occurring now, but how do you figure out where in the world you should put your money? Well, I talk about asset allocation models, and I think 
that asset allocation models mean that you have some in large companies, some in medium-sized companies, some in small companies, some in international, some in smaller emerging markets, some in short-term bonds, and then maybe some sectors like technology or real estate or others. And so having a good asset allocation model is really important. And then within that, I would use exchange-traded funds. So I would use very low-cost index funds to invest in each of those areas. Now, where you can have fun is in the sector areas because that's where you can take a little bit of your money, maybe 5 to 10% of your portfolio, and put it in a higher growth area or put it in something that looks very up and coming, very exciting, and that's where you can take a little bit more risk. But for the vast majority of your portfolio, I would definitely stay to an asset allocation model based on your age and your risk tolerance. Great advice. Great advice. So let's talk a little bit about about your podcast, uh, Be Wealthy and Smart. Tell me a little bit about how, how did you come up with the idea to to jump into the wild world of podcasting? Maybe what what's some of your, your favorite episodes? Oh my gosh. Well, I went to a conference and I heard people speaking about podcasting. I really didn't know much about it, but I had a heart to have a global presence. And so I thought, wow, this is the way I can reach people globally. And it's exciting that uh, we are reaching people in 181 countries. And we just crossed 2 million downloads today. And it's uh, something that I've just, you know, really wanted to share my knowledge with people and be teaching it in a way that is making it more simple and making it easier to understand without using jargon. I think sometimes the industry can make it harder than it needs to be. And I <laughs> yes. want to um, be inspiring, be a person who's done it myself that can also teach people rather than just an author who is teaching people. Sometimes we find that. Um, and so I really felt like that was what I wanted to do with the podcast. And it's been it's been beyond my expectations, really, and uh, just reaching people and having people tell me how much it's made a difference in their life and how much they've been able to, you know, make financial strides just from learning the information. That That's really, you know, meant a lot to me. In terms of my favorite podcast, um, it's hard to pick one, but I would say a lot of the mindset podcasts are fascinating to me because there's research that's being done all the time about our brain. And we really don't understand how powerful our brain is. I mean, we hear that and it's kind of cliche to say we're not using much of our brain. We don't, you know, we don't understand a lot about our brain, but there really is so much more to it. And uh, even, you know, quantum theory and all of the kind of esoteric things out there. I love getting into that and, and reading about that, learning about it. So it's, it's just very interesting to me the, that we have more power than we think and people having a form of certainty in their mindset can be extremely powerful. Uh, you know, the, the secret came out years ago and I wasn't a real big fan of the secret because I felt like it didn't really give people something tangible to, you know, to move forward. And sometimes people can get stuck in this mindset loop. But I think that the certainty of setting a goal and knowing that you're going to have it, visualizing that you're going to have it, believing that you're going to have it, 
100% has really worked for me in terms of mindset. And I think there's real power there that we're just unco- we're uncovering all the reasons why there's so much power there, but there really is. And that's exciting to me to to continue to research. Yes, absolutely. Well, Linda, this has been great. If you could give the listeners one takeaway about investing, how they should think about investing or a small step they should take, what would that be? Well, I would say that uh, learn good financial habits. There's a lot of people out there that say, oh, you just need to save money and that's how you'll become wealthy. And that's really not the issue. You really need to be compounding. And to do that, you you do have to invest. And even someone making $40,000 a year, if they were uh, just saving the average amount that the average American saves, that's only a little over 2% a year. And if they saved that and invested in a savings account uh, at 2%, uh, if they just invested, a, uh, if they save that 2%, which is about $1,100, if they did that every year for 30 years, they'd end up with, uh, you know, roughly around $40,000. And if they were able to invest that money and invest around $5,500, the maximum that they could fund an IRA with and do that annually over 30 years, they'd have more than a million dollars. So the fact that they earn $40,000 is not the issue. The issue is really, what are they doing with their money? And are they using good financial habits? Are they taking advantage of investing and higher compounding rates? And that's the message that I really want to give people. And that's really what I put in the Wealth Heiress book. What an amazing takeaway. So Linda, tell people where they can find you and where they can tune into your podcast. Sure. Well, my website is lindapjones.com and all my library of uh, almost 400 podcasts are at lindapjones.com forward slash podcasts, plural. And my book is on Amazon. It's called You're Already a Wealth Heiress, Now Think and Act Like One, Six Practical Steps to Make it a Reality Now. And men love it too, because there is no gender in wealth building. It's just slanted toward women to give women a little more encouragement. But um, so they can find my book there. And my podcast is called Be Wealthy and Smart. It's on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and wherever podcasts are found. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. It's absolutely free and you'll make sure you never miss an episode of Millennial Money. You can also listen to all our episodes on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and Pandora. 